0: guys today. Um, This is going to be intense. Uh, Put on your thinking caps and we're going to try and delve into this and I'm going to try and get this as simple and uh, clear as I possibly can. That's my goal for this stream as well as most of my streams if not all of those streams. All right so where do we begin? The Colosseum of the Gods. The Book of Ion written by Carl Jung. This is the book that essentially elaborates the logical arguments that are laid out in the Red Book uh, by Carl Jung that explain why he made the statement, I don't believe in God, I know there is a God. And um, there's confusion here. And as you notice, the title of this is not God, G-O-D with a capital G. This is God's with a lowercase g. So this is not really addressing um, the true God, which is the Logos, the Supreme. That's uh, the B- God of the Bible. And this is different than that. However, uh, Carl Jung also arrived at the existence of Christ through this uh, dissection as well, which we will discuss. And what it amounted to is what I've dubbed the Colosseum of the Gods. And it is that emotions, thoughts, Ideologies and beliefs can be personified as a character that you could equate with, say, a mythical being, a god, a uh, like, and in, in the lowercase g sense of like Ares or Thor or Odin, these are all uh, lowercase g gods that embody behavioral archetypes patterns of behavior that go back for hundreds of thousands of years and into humans DNA and that's kind of the crux of this theory the theory is that the things that people called gods are within our mind and they are patterns of behavior that go throughout time and become personified as a symbol of a character in our mind. And these characters are shared amongst ourselves and become powerful because of the shared collective knowledge of that symbol. Now, what we're gonna try to do here is bring that into the conceptual nature of the four quadrants as usual with the uh, readings here. So the first, and I think the easiest way of understanding this is with emotions emotions can be thought of as, and and I think as I explain this to you, you'll start to realize how this can feel very similar to what you experience in your life, even though it's a highly complicated idea. So we can think of anger as a form of a spirit in a way, because when we feel anger, you may have found times when all of a sudden it feels as though you are taken over by an energy that says it is time to feel angry and you become overwhelmed. Your consciousness feels like it has put into the back of your mind and you act out on your anger and it can be an extremely overwhelming force. Carl Jung says that this is the application of all of these major emotions. They are these forces that exist within our mind that can have exert massive power over us. And so that is how you can think of these things as an emotion and carl jung argues that by personifying them as a, a thing in this doesn't have to be considering them a god um, in fact what i recommend for a lot of my clients is to name them different things make them something other than anger rather than saying i feel angry make a new word or name to describe it which removes the symbolic force of the word anger and now allows you to really engage with the actual emotion itself and that's the negotiation with the forces within yourself now you can't engage in that negotiation with the forces unless you have logos it's truth the wisdom uh, that's what christ teaches you to do the reason why you are more powerful than all of the spirits and demons of this earth if you have truth logos in you that's what jesus promises us is because you have the ability to then negotiate with these other beings these lesser gods these lesser uh deities and that's what is being talked about in the Bible then. And so you're able to engage with these forces that you wouldn't be able to without truth, logos, the light, the truth, and the way. And so that's the emotional perspective there. That's the I think the, the easiest foot in the door for this is The feelings of emotion, when we're overwhelmed by love all of the sudden, uh, we could think of that as Cupid. Cupid's shooting you with an arrow. All of a sudden, boom, you're like, wow, I really like that person. I find them very attractive and I want to go talk to them. Or it might be um, a different reaction. Maybe it's like, oh, I'm really nervous now. I don't wanna go talk to them. Whatever your particular emotion might be, um, that is the feeling of being overwhelmed by the feeling of love. And so people personify that with the symbol of Cupid. And you can still do that with your imagination now. And so what Carl Jung is arguing is, well, we'll get to that in the material about how to apply this in your own life. But in a short, brief mention of it, by personifying these emotions, you actually can gain a lot more information about the topic than you would just by thinking about it logically. Like, ah, oh, I feel love Um, it's easier to personify that thing as a entity or a idea or a different word, and that will give you better insights on the topic. Now, this crosses right over into the logical field. And so the logic, the logos, the ideologies is a very, very important and terrifying concept that needs to be talked about, um what this is saying is that same concept we just described with emotions right now doesn't just apply to you, but it applies to everyone. Now, when you think about that fact that everyone experiences these overwhelming forces of primal energy that can be manifested as symbols collectively, then you get the next step, which is ideology and the ideological mob. So people can collectively get underneath a spirit or a God or a idea or a concept and be possessed as a group so that the individuals are not able to engage in logos because they are essentially worshiping a better idea. This is why God says, have no gods before me. If you worship anything, any idol other than truth, other than logos, other than Christ, you're screwed because by worshiping any other thing logos is now below it and then you will be consumed by a mob of ideology it's a very real and really deadly force that can be used to destroy nations this is what we saw happen in the 19th century in 1940s in stalin uh in stalin's reign in uh mao and china all of these things are examples of how an ideology was created that brainwashed the mob. So you can identify these very clearly when you find people who get into large groups and all say the same things and wave the same flags and are saying the same talking points over and over again. When you see that, that's not a group of people, individuals anymore, they become something different. They are a group that honors a godlike ideology, and they worship that ideology, and that is not something that can be reasoned with because it's not a reasonable thing. There is no truth behind that. It is a creature. And so you want to deal with that thing differently than you would, say, an individual. An individual who is capable of logic and communication, possessed within a mob, is not is no longer capable of this. Um, a good example of this in this doesn't necessarily have to be scary, as it is, can it can be scary but we use this for practical purposes all the time. For example, uh, the military is a prime example of where we do this on purpose. Um, We set the military uh, following orders at the highest ideal so that when military officers are put into situations that would be morally compromising, is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? We set the higher ideal, which is follow the orders of our commander. uh, That is the way to go so that they don't get caught up in those emotional traumas that can destroy them. And that's if you don't have that higher ideal and you are in a state of logos, this can be really damaging to you. This can cause PTSD. And so there are systematic reasons for why people would do this on purpose. However, um, overall, the christian perspective on it would be never worship anything over truth truth needs to be your prime highest ideal um, regardless of what the world tries to drag you into so if you ever find yourself in a mob where everyone is saying the same things and waving the same flags and saying the same ideologies and you turn on the tv and everything agrees with you um that is the time to say whoa 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 what's going on here and to reassess, am I following truth? Am I looking at logos? Am I following the light, the truth, and the way? Am I promoting the beautiful, the good, and the true? And really catch yourself because that's when we need to turn inward and gain self-knowledge. We're gonna talk about that in another stream about how to slay chimeras, but um, that's just a brief preview for it. So that is the ideological level. Now, the final level well, actually, we'll we'll save the, uh, the end of the book for last. Um, so how do we apply this knowledge? What is this in the material sense? How can you start utilizing this in your day-to-day life? Well, by applying this filter, this is what I talk about a lot, they're called paracosms. A paracosm is a fantasy world in your head. It's where you use your imagination, to augment reality. It's almost like intentionally daydreaming or the way that you intentionally made an imaginary friend as a child. The same capacity is what you use to create a paragosm. And you can create paragosms that are useful for predictive means. They aren't true, but they are predictive. And so that's the closest thing you can arrive at to the truth from a symbolic way. And this allows you to do highly complex data-solving problems that would not be possible for you to do with just your logical brain by utilizing your subconscious imaginative state. And uh, Carl Jung was famous for being able to do this. Um, In fact, the reason I found out about Carl Jung was because I had read about him as being someone who could do the similar thing. Um, As a child, being able to do it, I assumed I was a crazy person. (laughs) And so um, I went on a search to find other people who had experienced it. And uh, it was hard to find, but I did find that uh, Carl Jung was someone who was known for having the, uh, the, the paracosms. And so that is how I got into Carl Jung initially. And that being said, how do we start utilizing this in the real world? So begin to use your imagination. You can look at groups of people uh, when you see them acting in a similar fashion, similar behavior and have a symbol behind them and start to characterize that in your mind, personify it into a being maybe it's they're symbolized by an animal uh, or maybe they're symbolized by a deity or maybe they're symbolized by a cartoon character that's that's archetypical um someone that you really couldn't feel compelled by for example um and by doing this you can take that massive amount of trillions of pieces of data that that mob or idea or group or belief is giving you and you can condense it down into a basic symbol. Now that symbol is not the representation of truth of that group. There is an infinite amount of truth to be found in that group. But once you condense it down into a symbol, you can then condense down other concepts into similar symbols using your imagination. And then This is where the concept of the Colosseum of the Gods comes into play. You can begin to look at the world as these symbols of these different groups and different organizations and different ideas and different beliefs and different emotions and what they represent and what they will stand for and what they won't stand for. And you can put them into combat with each other and that is an accurate representation of what you will experience in the real world. This is one of the ways that I'm able to quote-unquote predict things before they happen. I'm not a psychic. I am looking at the past, looking at the present, and then based on that trying to make predictions of if this continues to be the way it is and this is the way that things are currently, then this is the likely outcome of the future. And so that's this is one way of doing that by creating these cartoonized versions of the ideas, you can pit them against each other. And from there, you can draw conclusions and say, well, this particular story in combat with this particular story would result in this particular outcome. So for example, maybe you find one group is represented by Loki, and then another group is represented by Thor. They have two energies of Thor and Loki, and you could pit them against each other and see what scenarios are they running into, and read the mythical literature on Thor and Loki and see what, seem, what story seems to be playing out right now. And when you find that, what you'll find terrifyingly true is not only are you able to find a story that matches up nearly perfectly, but as you read into the story, the nature of these organizations, regardless of how big or powerful or complex they are, will follow that narrative to the letter it's horrifying so you can read the story and say ah i know that they're at this part of the story so i know this is coming oh i know they're at this part of the story i know this is coming oh they're at this part this is coming and you can literally see what is coming based on the archetype and so that is the concept of ion the the coliseum of the gods and how you can utilize that same data for yourself now the final piece the the ultimate if you take this to its absolute extreme in which what carl jung did and where he arrived at the fact that god exists not the belief but the knowledge that god exists is in the manifestation of christ and in turn the antichrist what he found at the root of all of these stories and all of these myths and all these beliefs is one archetype which is the truth logos the christ the light the truth and the way the beautiful, the good, and the true. We have one representation of that as the ultimate supreme, and then on the other side is the antithesis to all of that. That is what we would call the antichrist, the Satan, the Lucifer. And the ultimate story that we see being acted out through all these little tiny micro-battles and micro-battles within micro-battles within micro-battles, that whole overarching story is the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, and then the resurrection of christ so you have the loop that we are going to towards the archetype which is the birth of christ boom right here bc birth of christ christ is born christ dies and then we have the rise of the antichrist the antithetical creation of the opposite of what is christ which uniformly makes a makes like a this kind of shape (laughs) it comes up to the end and reaches back to a pinnacle where you have the antichrist fall and christ comes back and is reborn and is the uh the, the prophecy fulfilled so that is the the ion the that um of christ that carl jung identifies in his book and if you want to get more details on that i highly recommend checking out his book ion you can get that on amazon and uh, he was one of the greatest minds that has lived in the recent years nowhere near as intelligent as aristotle but uh, still very very intelligent man and um definitely you know the foundation of all of psychological theory and all of psychological thoughts are based on what he taught. And um, him and Freud basically make up most of what is known in psychology today that is still predictable. Most of what we see in psychology that is not in alignment with Carl Jung and Freud is not reproducible. In fact, 80% of it isn't reproducible at all. And so that is the... um, Argument that he proposes in the book. And so that is the Colosseum of the Gods. And that is the lecture for today. And we're going to move on to the next readings. And if you have any questions or you want to discuss these ideas, if you want to uh, come up with uh, some insights for yourself, I'd love to discuss it and we will get that going right now.